welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer and I will be your host. Today's guest is Naraj Shah. He is the founder of a company called Mind Unlocked, which is actually a meditation course right up my alley. So we're not only going to be talking about his meditation course, but really the social PR secrets behind how he got started, what motivated him, in what seems like a market that might be slightly saturated with yoga and meditation and mindfulness, but there is always room when it comes to something meaningful, especially for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners. The course Mind Unlocked was originally designed with the busy professional in mind. Neeraj is going to share with us all of the social PR secrets behind how he got started, how he named the course, how he branded the course, how he launched it, and what is working today with marketing. He's also going to share some tips on meditation and the benefits of it for the busy professional. Welcome, Neeraj, and we'll find out about Mind Unlocked and more. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I am super excited to have Niraj Shah here. And he is, this is going to be a doubleheader. Niraj has a um, business called Mind Unlocked um, that we're going to talk about how that got started. But Niraj, how are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you. How are you doing, Lisa? I'm good. I'm good. So we're both in awesome places. We are in, um, I'm in Florida and you are in Bermuda. I am indeed. And very grateful to be here. Tell us about what's Bermuda like right now. It's starting to get a little bit cooler. So in in British, that means it's getting down to about 20. I don't know what that is in American, in Fahrenheit, but it's it's beautiful. It's a tropical island. It's picturesque. There's it's it's very difficult to have a complaint in a place like this. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm it kind of sounds like the place that everybody would like to be at. Um, I know you're normally in London, right? Yeah. Normally in London, but we saw that Bermuda were welcoming business visas. And uh, it was a moment where my wife and I looked at each other and just thought, why are we not considering that? And we've got the freedom to do it. So we thought we'd give it a try. And we I think we've been here for about seven or eight weeks now, something like that. And we're here till the end of the year. Yeah, it seems like everybody's trying to to find their their happy place right now in the world. And Nuraj, we, we met in Baby Bathwater, which is a mastermind that we're both part of for, with um, a group of entrepreneurs that are you know, basically globally connected. And I was invited to be part of your course, Mind Unlocked, which I have to be honest, I haven't completed the whole thing, but I did get to, I think, 50%. But it's a meditation course. And what I'm really excited to hear is I'm just so excited to see that that's even something that um, that is available to everybody who is interested. But how did you start? How did you come up with the idea to start Mind Unlocked? And tell us a little bit of a backstory of you and the business. Sure. Well, I'm excited that you're part of the program. I'm, I'm a little bit bummed that you only got 50% of the way through. But since then, we've actually upgraded a lot of the experience to help people get over the finishing line. So I'll probably um, send, send you a link to that again and you might find the experience is quite different. Now let's dial back to the start. So it started as a side project and an experiment. And the basics of it is that it's the third business that I'm building. So I built a real estate business back in the UK and then I co-founded a real estate technology business. And whilst these things were going on, meditation became a part of my life and it became a part of my life. Um, part, 
started dabbling in it because I really got into yoga. I really got into yoga because I had a stroke at the age of 30, like a really serious brain wow. injury. Um, and my, I, first of all, very, very lucky to have recovered or almost fully recovered um, in, in a way that you wouldn't really be able to tell. But that took a passing interest in health into an absolute obsession about health vitality and neuroscience which is a fancy way of saying the stud scientific study of the nervous system which is our brain our spine our central operating system and um, my neurologist was very ahead of his time I, I got treated on Britain's National Health Service and I just got sent to a really good place and he said to me that I need to rest until I'm fully recovered and he wanted me to sleep every day in the afternoon um, which you know 10 years ago that was not very common advice but now we know the importance of sleep and he said i only want you to do yoga so i went started doing yoga and i'd had some childhood practice being of indian origin so it wasn't a weird concept to me and i knew it was brilliant so that became part of my life and through that i started dabbling in meditation and that was it for a few years and then i was in the process of building my first business and it started to go quite well about two or three years in and um with that going well came quite a lot of overwhelm about the scaling it and the sheer amount of things going on and i suddenly just could not sleep well at night and by this point well-being was a huge part of my life so it wasn't about tweaking my nutrition or tweaking my movement or something like that so anyway um, meditation ended up being the piece that when i committed to it it fixed my sleep issues but because i'm skeptical about these things i like to delve into the evidence. So I started looking into the evidence and I started finding lots and lots of good research studies around why meditation works and started discovering that actually there's a whole bunch of other things that it can do as well beyond, um, you know, just helping us relax a bit more and sleep a bit better. So that, that fast forward a few years and it's a huge part of my life. It's made me a better entrepreneur. It's made me a better person. And on the one hand, I've got, got this amazing tool which is scientifically validated in lots of places on the other hand i've got all these business and corporate buddies who are not meditating which is fine because everybody shouldn't necessarily be into it but they are simultaneously complaining about their stress about their insomnia about their lack of focus and i'm thinking well we've got this scientifically validated tool and on the other hand we've got all these people who are who are very logical pragmatic scientific thinkers you know type a personalities who are not doing this. So there's a clear disconnect, even though things like Headspace was already a big company by this point, Calm was on its way to becoming a big company. So what I did was as a side experiment, I set up three or four group meditation sessions in central London, um, where we picked a really nice venue. And it was like an hour after work on a Monday, 6.30 PM. And I thought, let's just see who comes if we position this as a, a very practical, science-led approach to meditation and um you know a few people came and then the next time they came back and a few more people came and then by the third one it was validated and long story short that over the next 15 months that turned into from those three initial sessions 70 sessions um, with two venues we got a partnership with a global hotel group we got sponsorship from ASICS the Japanese running company we had the London Evening Standard starting to work with us so and, and this whole time I'm running it like a side project um, and, and we go and, and we went past meditation into the sort of functional benefits so we started doing sessions on digital balance which we'll talk about started doing sessions on sleep but always with this thread of science and practicality weaved into it about how we use our operating system 
So that, that was the origins. And from there, I never thought this would be a business that I'm going to build because I thought that the meditation space is going to be way too competitive. But we started building this niche, building an audience. They were clearly getting something. And then my thinking was, okay, well, this, this could be the business, but I don't want to end up doing 20 events a week um, and build that kind of business. So, yeah, I looked at those models and um, it didn't appeal. I really wanted to do something digital. I wanted to do something technological. So from there, it was a fairly logical process of taking what we've done in the real world and translating it to something that works online. And the reason for the online is because I just wanted it to be more accessible, have a global reach. Um, and, and also from a personal perspective, I've always been into technology, tried to do stuff in tech before and it hadn't worked for whatever reason. So I really wanted to make a tech business work. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. And I really like your branding messaging and you kind of touched on it, but um, it, practical first, spiritual later, because you know, if you're, sounds like who you're targeting, I love the idea also that you ask them, you know, the executives to come after work, right from work, because that's when their brains are fried and they're just like, okay, well, you don't have to, you're not really asking them to do much. And it's at a time where they're like, kind of like, okay. Um, but I think, you know, one of the stumbling blocks, at least for me for a long time, when I, um, before I, I was doing yoga way before I was doing any type of meditation. And I didn't even realize that like, Shavasana is really meditation. No, <laughs> I was doing yoga really for the athletic fitness side of it for a long time. And now it's a combination of both. And I would come out of my yoga class and the next class after that sometimes would be a meditation class. And there would be people waiting to come inside. And I would just think to myself, why would anybody come here and to sit here for an hour? Like that is such a waste of time. Like I just thought it was the dumbest thing ever. But I think you know, when you're positioning it, like with, like you said, the science, like this, you know, sleep better, stress less, you know, practical messaging that entrepreneurs, you know, professionals can like wrap their brain around. Like you're not like wasting time. You're actually gaining back a sense of well-being that, that you couldn't buy. Yeah. Well, you're actually gaining time because of all the time that that process will save you in terms of better sleep, better focus to getting more out of your time, but less time wasted thinking about things when you're doing other things. But the, the thinking behind it was what you've described, someone going to a yoga studio and sitting in a meditation class, London was full of, and is still in non-pandemic times, full of that sort of thing. There's a couple of really good Buddhist centers that you can um, go to. Every yoga studio has meditation classes. And my thinking was, there's still this disconnect between these stressed out executives and entrepreneurs and this scientific tool. And what I want to do was create an experience which is really geared towards someone who doesn't want to go somewhere where there's going to be chanting and incense and whatever other preconceptions they've got and really look at it more from a functional point of view and it's not to dismiss the spiritual it's just to recognize that a there was a crowd here that wasn't being served very well and in my opinion still isn't being served very well but there's more and more things like what i'm doing coming up um, and two just like what you described with yoga, most people come to yoga or meditation um, or, or whatever you know, discipline to solve a functional problem first. And then, then they may discover the spiritual side later. And I, I just really believe that the spiritual side shouldn't be dismissed, but it's a luxury. I think if you've got the luxury to work on your spiritual development, you are in a very small percentage of people, whereas most of us are just trying to figure out how we can get through life better so that we can live a better life and, and, and be better. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. So let's just talk about your audience. So it sounds like you, yeah. you know, through some of these events, you identified who your target audience is going to be when you were creating the digital side of this business. Yeah. So what's the, initially it was a build it and see who comes. And I was really curious, like, who's going to come to this? And um, it turns out that on the in-person sessions, we had a mix of entrepreneurs and uh, corporate professionals, like mostly, like that was almost everyone. But then um, when I really dug into the data more and more and more, especially on the digital side, we find that almost 80% of our participants are um, some sort of entrepreneur, whether that's solopreneur, freelance, uh, freelancer, um, self-employed, whatever it is, they would describe themselves as an entrepreneur or, or, or whatever. And then the other 20% is a mix of a few things, which is a few mid to senior corporate executives. And then a few people who just, the message just resonates with. So we don't try and make it so that, you know, anyone can join, but it wasn't a deliberate attempt to let's go and appeal to these people. It's just kind of the way that it worked out. But then I'm not surprised because a lot of the ethos of the company, as it is with many companies, I guess, is ethos of the founder and I'm an entrepreneur and I think about these things in a certain way and bridge that gap so it's not a surprise that I've ended up attracting a lot of other people like me and then Jessica my co-founder she's an entrepreneur as well so it, it, I think we end up um, attracting what you know it's not a surprise we're resonating with these folks because we are the, those folks and we've built this because of a gap that we noticed in, in our immediate spheres. When did you um, actually launch and when did how did you meet Jessica your partner? So I did the exper experimental session started September 2017. I decided in July that I'm going to launch it in September um, because I wanted to give myself a very short runway to get it done. Um, but then in terms of the, you know, actually start treating it like a proper company would have been the start of last year, so January last year. So I met Jessica maybe two or three months before that, and she was very much the catalyst to actually turn this from a project into a business because at the point when I met her, I had a couple of things, side projects like this, and I wasn't sure which one to go with. Um, and we, we met in a very serendipitous way. And it was very, very clear from our first interaction that she had really done her research. She was already an entrepreneur by that point, but she really wanted to get into the meditation and mindfulness side of things. And she, by that point, I was already one of the most prominent people in the London wellness scene. So she knew who I was. And I get a lot of entrepreneurs approach me after events and want to talk about this and the other. And it was very clear from her conversation that she'd done a lot of homework on the scene and that you know, there's something different. So at that point, I thought I'd just met a business buddy, like someone who I can um, tr trade war stories with and learn from and all, all that kind of thing. And then after a few conversations over a few weeks, it started becoming apparent that, um, you know, she saw potential in what the mind and lot, um, you, you know, the audience would build and the brand and all that kind of stuff. And um, it just started becoming more and more obvious we should consider working together. And then we just went through this long process of um, conversations and you know sketching out individual visions and values and this that, and the other. And it was really important we did that individually and then looked at it together to see if there was a really strong correlation because um, you know I'm I'm fairly experienced. I've been around the block and I wasn't just going to jump into a business partnership. And um, you know she she'd had a business partner in a previous uh, business as well. So 
actually, we took a very considered approach to this. And I'm glad that we did that because I don't know if we're going to delve into it too much on this interview, but with business partnerships, it's so important up front that you understand how you're going to act when you disagree, how you're going to um, make decisions together, who's going to do what, what the reward's going to be, how equity is going to be earned. Because of course I had a, um, I, I had already built a brand by this point, which had got following and traction and some IP and stuff like that, uh, trademarks and whatever. So we, basically worked out a way for her to earn equity into in the business over a period of time and it's, it's worked out really well I mean she, she's a wonderful business partner I think the most important thing is that she's a really awesome human being and I think when you're starting from that point of view then actually you can resolve anything that you need to resolve which is inevitable when you're when you've got two different personalities in the business that's great. Yeah. Um, I've had business partners in the past and have gone, you know, down both paths and it definitely has, you know, can have its pros and cons and we could probably do a whole episode on that, but yeah. it's smart that you were able to work things out ahead of time and, you know, see into the future and, and build in, you know, the plan of, you know, building up equity. So when you actually launched um, and launched the, the online class, um, the online course, you know, what did that launch look like? And what were some of the marketing efforts that, that you did that worked in and that didn't work? So, so we launched it about a year ago, it's September, 2017. So neither of us had built an online product before, but what we did was we went and found books and blogs and things like that, that could point us in the right direction. So it's things like we took elements of Jeff Walker's product launch formula, we um, used a Silicon Valley book that I knew called the Startup Product Playbook. And the way it was built, and I, I think if we're talking about things like online courses, the biggest mistake would have been to build a course and then see if it resonates. What we did was we worked out how to write a really good survey, and then I surveyed our audience. And we got a bunch of responses back from them. But basically, the meta was, we're going to go and do something digital. What shall we do? And, and we had a whole bunch of questions around that. And I was really surprised that they came up with this because I did not think the world needs another meditation course because it's a saturated, you know, it's a, it's a noisy market. Um, there's so many meditation courses out there. But then when I delved into why they were saying that and what they're not getting from meditation apps or other, other places, that, that was the real juice of, okay, this is what we need to build around. And, and then the next important thing that we did was um, I thought, okay, right, they've, all, they've said, this is what we'll buy. So I basically put together a long list of about 70 people in our audience, people that I um, knew from having come to our sessions and stuff like that, thinking, okay, they've either said, yes, go and build this, or they're a likely buyer of it. And I emailed them all individually and said, we're gonna put together this course, um, and it's going to do this, 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 and this. And you said that you would want to buy this. So um, do, you, do you want to buy at a 50, 60% discount today, but it will be ready in three or four months time. Um, and that was such an important step because there's a big difference between someone saying build something and actually giving you cold, hard cash. And I, I remember in my mind, uh, Jessica and I said, okay, if we can get 16 people signed up to this that are not our best friends and our family and all, all that kind of stuff, like, you know, relative strangers, then that's enough validation to go and build it. Because if 16 people want it, then probably 1600 people want it. And it's just a question of then finding those people. And um, so I had this list of 70 people to email and we hit our 16 on email 27 or 28. And that, that was when I shut it down. And I remember some of, some of the others came back and said, yes, I want it. And I had to, had, 
at first I was going to say no, but then they said, okay, let's just put the price up and, and, and say, well, yeah, you can have it, but it's, it's, it's a higher price now. And, and they still bought it. And, you know, we're talking about still relatively small sums, huge difference between awesome. someone saying, yeah. yes, I'll buy that to actually buying it. So, so that was that. And then, then we basically, we built the course, um, figured out how to do that, um, books, blogs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, from a launch perspective, you know, we've got no background in digital marketing, anything like that. It was just a case of um, emailing the audience, keeping them involved, letting them know this thing has come, have, having, you know, having some discounts for launch and just trying to create as much noise around it as possible. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't one of these, hey, it's going to be available for two weeks and then the cart closes. It was, we, we've launched this thing, but if you get in now, you'll, you'll get it at this price and that price is only going to go up as we improve the product and so on. And, and we also, by that point, we had testimonials from our beta testers. Um, so sorry, I've skipped a step. So the people who, the original 16, when we built the first version, we brought them into it, went through it, and then we used all of their feedback to improve it again. Then we put the price up and then we launched it publicly. So by that point, we had testimonials, we had, um, uh, you know, we, 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 could, we, we had the confidence that we had a really damn good product, which is kind of where we're still at, which is we've got a really good product, but the marketing around it hasn't always been great because that's a journey that we're learning. Definitely. And so one of the things that sounds like you had built in from some of your events and things that were going on for maybe a couple of years or your, you know, how long, however long you, you were doing these events, maybe yeah. you, so you had an email list, right? So that was, yeah. um, would you say that that was a big significant help in, huge. in getting- Huge. Yeah. 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 Um, all, all, all of our initial sales came from our email list or our social media posts, but, they, but, but from like personal Facebook posts as opposed to external stuff and whatever. So it was either people who already knew the brand or there were friends of people who knew it. Right, right. And I'm one of the mistakes that I, if I look back and I wish I would have done different that anybody that's listening, this is a great example of you know, what you should do. Um, so I've been speaking on different, for, at different conferences and events for the last 10 years, at least. And I really, until recently, never took advantage of um, just the PR brain doesn't work in like the mailing list type of build your list type of mode. It's usually, you know, we're doing outreach. So um, I wish that I, all these conferences I had gone to, I had, you know, come, you know, with some sort of a free ebook or free something. And you know, been collecting these email addresses over the years, because when I, you know, when you do go to launch something, that's going to be some sort of a product or anything, you know, yeah. you can't, that is, that's your following, you know, those are people that are your I, I wish we'd done it more deliberately. I, I wish we'd done it more deliberately. It was just a collection of people who'd come to our in-person events where they'd kind of signed up to, yes, you can email me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you, you know, we'd, we'd put, um, on the website, we'd put, hey, this thing is coming. If you want to be notified first, then let us know. We got some that way. But I'd say that even today, our list building efforts are still, they've got some traction, but I think that's an area over the next month or two, we're going to get a lot better at because we're putting a lot more focus into it. But I, but if we'd been doing that a couple of years ago, we'd be so much further ahead now. Yeah. And I mean, right now, you know, it's very obvious that, you know, email, how important email marketing is to any business. But I think email marketing kind of, you know, it was, it was like way up, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And then over the past decade, you know, it, it hasn't, you know, at least in my space, like the value wasn't really perceived um, of email, email marketing list building. Um, but 
you know, it, it definitely for those that did pay attention, they're really reaping the rewards because now everybody, I think, you know, realizes the importance of having your own list and not having to rely on other types of marketing. Um, so speaking of other types of marketing, um, you know, we're friends on Facebook and I see your posts. You were just um, featured as an expert source in Cosmopolitan. And I noticed you've been getting, you know, other media coverage, which it sounds like, you know, even before Mind Unlocked, you were um, in the in the news in, in London. So talk to us about public relations and, and, you know, how did that Cosmopolitan article specifically come about? Walk us through that, you know, from the time you found out you were getting it to it publishing and sharing it and, and how do you perceive that? I think it's important to say that actually Mind Unlocked was the vehicle that started getting me in the news. Um, and I think that's really important to have something to wrap your message around. Before that, I was just a guy who knew the wellness scene, knew lots of people in it, and had actually mentored and advised quite, quite a few people in it whilst I was trying to figure out what, what I was going to do. But having that vehicle um, that, that I've got now, it just helps give people context. It means they can very clearly say who I am and what I do. Um, in terms of PR strategy, so it's all been very undeliberate is the best way of putting it. So it's not, it's not like I'm naive to the value of PR, but for economic reasons, we've just never really been able to invest in PR. That's something I'm hoping we can do in a big way from next year onwards, um, because I, I, I see the value of it, especially from a sort of credibility point of view, it's, it's huge. So that cosmopolitan thing, and it, you know, when I've been in the Evening Standard or Men's Health or places like that, um, where it's come from has been a combination of personal relationships where when I launched Mind Unlocked, again, like I think one thing that's helped us a lot is that we don't have previous in these industries and we don't know what the norms are. So you telling me about the history of email marketing, I don't really know that. All I know is it's been a really good channel for us because it allows us to have a direct conversation with, with, with people in a very conversational way. Um, so I think not knowing those things is helpful sometimes because I think if we had known a lot of stuff, then we might have gone down a different route. Um, but from a PR perspective, so, so again, not really knowing what the norms are, I just made a list of journalists who had written about wellness and we kept, kept a spreadsheet of those. And when we launched it, we just emailed them all and three or four of them replied. And, you know, you know th th some of them came to our sessions because they were personally interested and we got to know, know people that way. Um, so some of the press coverage has just come... Just, just, I mean, I guess it's smart yeah. in hindsight. It just seemed logical. And, and again, I think it's really helpful that I'm not a 21-year-old kid. You know, I, I've, I'm, I'm 10 years into my business journey now. So um, that, that's helpful. And then the other side is we've got some really good partnerships with, um, with people who do have good PR outreach. Through them, that's where the Cosmo thing came from. One of, one of the platforms that I'm a speaker for said that, hey, we, you know, Cosmo are asking us for a mental health expert quote. And they came to me because I've got really good relationships. I think relationships has been massive to drive what we're doing. And it's one of the things that I'm very good at is really understanding what's going to be helpful to other people and then making sure that they get that so that then, and it's, it's never with the intention of getting something back, but it's just because I'm interested in what these guys, guys and girls are doing and um, they take an interest in what we're doing and it just happens that way. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And public relations, I would say, you know, it's always been something that is very organic, um, whether you're doing it with, um, you know, a consistent, you know, mindset of, okay, this is part of our strategy, or it kind of just, you're attracting it without even like realizing that's what you're intentionally doing. Um, so I think that 
that's a great example of, you know, first of all, building the list of, you know, the potential journalists and just keeping in touch with them, you know, that that's, um, you know, something that any business can do without having to have a publicist or an official public relations agency. That's something that you can do on your own if you're starting a business yeah. or even if you have a business. I'll just add that the outreach to them initially wasn't, hey, here's this thing. I think you should write about it. It was, I'm launching this thing. Of, co of course, you know, press coverage is going to be important to us. But before that, if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or whatever, why don't you just come as my guest and see what you think? And it was it was that simple. And through, through that, ended up building some really good relationships. So it was much more geared towards what they could get out of it as a human being, as opposed to what we might get out of them, which is the way I think they get approached a lot. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that's perfect. What else are you doing um, from a marketing standpoint to get the word out about Mind Unlocked? And So I think the, the big focus for me at the moment is a whole digital marketing piece. So really um, building that pathway from how do we take somebody who's never heard of us through to a customer? Because in the real world, that, that was actually quite easy, which was if, if somebody came to a, one of our sessions or, or a friend of theirs did, then they'd be inclined to come back. And we, we saw that and so on. And the education for us in the last six months has really been about how do you do that in a digital way? So there's a whole load of stuff we're doing around that. And I think we're really focusing a lot on the free value and on the nurture. So things like the podcast is a really good vehicle for that. I think things like me appearing on other podcasts becomes a really good vehicle. And we're getting better at reusing all of that content. So, um, you, you, know, you know, making sure that we're getting the maximum bang for our buck out of it. Um, and, and then the email list is um, becoming more and more important to us in terms of just, I, I'm not a fan of the hard sell model and we almost nearly went down this kind of launch open close type of model. And, and I get that it works. Um, I don't think it's a lot of fun for the people who are doing it. And I don't think it's a great experience for the people on the receiving end of it. So I think we took a decision that we want to take a more considered approach and also just not have our cart closed for for long periods of time i'd rather have it open all the time so one of the things we're working on is how we can take somebody on that journey so that we can make sure when they're ready to buy we're the folks they buy with but if they're never ready to buy which is a reality for a lot of people in the world especially given what's going on in the world you know pockets are squeezed and and, and so on um they can still get a lot of value from us because the way that I've always thought about this business is that, you know, if we can work with a hundred thousand or a million customers or something like that, we're going to have an amazing business, but I want the impact to be way bigger than that. Maybe 10 X that of people who've had value from the free stuff we're putting out. And I think that's also important because I don't want to be seen as one of these um, people exploiting um mental health and meditation and th th these kind of things to j just make a buck. I think it's actually important that we have a, um, you know, we, we are a for-profit organization and we're not shy about that, but it's important to have a social side of it where, where I can feel good to say, look, somebody can get a lot of this value for free. And then going back to your question about, you know, sort of marketing efforts, it turns out that when you approach things that way, it's really good for marketing because it just helps, uh, you know, people get to know us in a very transparent way so that there's no surprises. They're not, they're not going to get sold at, which I think is a little bit slimy. Yeah. There was some, some articles and statistics I was reading about marketing in 2021. And one of the most important things, I mean, it's always been an important thing, but now more than ever is to, to build trust. And, you know, you can sell your features and benefits and you can have a whole sales team behind you, but 
somebody isn't going to really, you know, buy and it's becoming more important, they're going to buy it based on trust. And it sounds like that's trust what you're is the only currency that we actually work in. I think the moment our audience stops trusting us is the moment we don't have a business anymore. Yeah. Tell us about the podcast. Yeah. So the podcast, um, so th there's so many different things that we've kind of done and that dived into again without really knowing exactly what the mechanics of it might be. So it was a Herculean effort to kind of get it off the ground. So I wanted to make sure that it's going to be good as well. Not, not, you know, the, the world doesn't need just another podcast. Um, it, it's still very young. So we did 10 episodes um, and put those out there and it's been, it's been brilliant uh, in, in two ways. One is from a personal point of view, what I'm learning from those podcasts is just absolutely brilliant because we're getting to interview various experts that, you know, so some of who I knew and some of who I didn't. Um, but the other side is, I think if you look back at the, you know, how do people get to know and like and trust what we're doing, it's going to be through that expression of you. And it's worth remembering um, that actually a, a, a client or former client of yours, Dave Siddick, made this point to me, which is our course is primarily an audio experience. So therefore we want to put, it's like giving the sample out at the mall. You, we want to give that audio to people as many places as they can, whether it's guided meditations or podcasts or whatever, because that's when they're going to have the experience, experiential experience of what it is we're doing so so yeah the, the podcast has been a it's been super fun and b it's really helped with the reach and i think that's something you know we, we, i just started the series again and we're going to be continuing that because it's just a brilliant way to get this value out there for a way that people don't have to pay for it awesome what are some of your favorite episodes or what is your favorite episode so far uh number three which is all about habit change um, that one has resonated with a lot of people. And then I think it's number seven, which was with Kimberly Wilson, all about how to build a healthy brain. And it was a link between nutrition and the human mind, which is an area that I didn't know as much as I would like to know. But she shared some absolute gold dust around, you know, what we need to be doing from a nutrition point of view to, to directly affect our cognitive ability our long-term brain health all of those kind of things which, which is all you know th th these are things that I want to spend my time doing whether I had a business in this space or not awesome Nuraj we're going to wrap this part of the interview up on social PR secrets and for those listening you can hop on over to digital detox secrets and see if his next interview is going to be available before we wrap it up a couple of things what books um, would you recommend for our audience, so entrepreneurs, social PR professionals, um, marketers that helped you just in general. Um, and then please tell us where we can find Mind Unlocked and listen to your podcast and all those good things. Great. So in, in general, I think Atomic Habits by James Clear is one of the best books. I've, it's the most recommended book I've had for last year, and it will be for this year as well. From a business point of view, the Lean Product Playbook, who I can't remember who the author is, but I, I just thought, you know, we, we weren't building a typical Silicon Valley style business, but I just found that by following that process, it, it, it just saved us from making a lot of mistakes. So those are my book recommendations. And then in terms of where you can find us, so it's mindunlocked.co and the podcast is mindunlocked.co forward slash podcast. Awesome. Nuraj, thank you so much for joining us. And we are going to meet up right now on my next, my next episode of Digital Detox Secrets. So thank you everybody for joining us.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.